So we have Marcus Teo, the creative director of uh, Teo Creative Incorporated. Um, thank you for inviting inviting me into uh, inviting us into um, what would you like to call your home? Is it? It's not. Would you call it just a home? I it think is. It's, I think it it's is my home. home. Um, oh, home of other. It's home of of many of your other like inspirations because we we saw like so many different paintings and stuff like that yeah it's uh it's a studio right i guess that's where creative ideas and creative work comes but at the same time i've always um done a lot of my thinking and a lot of my work at home Mm -hmm. so it is it is both it's um home and it's also the creative center Right, right, right. Mm, that's, that's a good way to look at it. So what is it... So I want to first start off, what is exactly... Because you, you have um, built a career and you have now come to this point where you are a creative director. So I wanted to first really get you to dive into what specifically is a creative director. Um, I think we've read and... and, and We've heard there are a lot of creative directors out there mm-hmm. today. Yeah. A lot of people are creative directors um, or call themselves creative directors. <laughs> um, the, the thing about a creative director is it is very specific to the field one is in. Um, obviously, they are creative directors um, in advertising, and I think traditionally that has always been the the... Um, the reference when one's a creative director. Um, these days, with fashion being a, a huge industry, um, I think, and the fact is, uh, creative directors exist within design um, when it comes to designing, and I, I think within a fashion house, um, creative directors can be a designer. Uh, design creative director where they do a lot of the design the creative director can handle the brand component which is basically how the image of the brand is Um, a creative director can also be on the business side of things where you know the chief creative officer overlooks marketing as well as the branding sometimes they do not intersect and sometimes they do Mm-hmm. Um, I think that really depends on you know the experience um, the creative director has, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think when Hedy Slaman took over Saint Laurent, he was quite clear on what he wanted his touch points to be, and you can see that very clearly in how the um, image of the house, the brand image, the design completely transformed. Um, Similarly, when Rafe Simons is right now at um, Calvin Klein, when he first got there, I think it took quite a while for the um, for the agreement to be completely set in stone because I think he wants his imprint to be across the board. So not just a brand image, but in every design, in... Um, in every aspect, as far, the creative aspect of it. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So what would you probably say, you know, now that you're, you know, you're this creative director, but 
could you could you do you remember at, at one point in time on when you were kind of like growing up what kind of activities what kind of activities or your environment that you grew up in like what type of inspiration did you get from you know um, when you were growing up um I think how I got to be a creative director is a, a long um, long process and a long lifetime um, of gaining experience and going back to your question it's just how um, how as a child I was always um, influenced by photography and by film um, growing up in in Malaysia where you know your weather is always a constant tropical weather um, it's it's interesting that I always wanted to see what it was like or experience what it was like in yeah. a different climate um, and by the time I started traveling you know it was it was great to experience all the different cultures all the different people all the different um, geography but it's always the most fascinating to me to interact with different people. Mm. Um, and it's not just culture. It's how you know, people react to um, their daily life. Um, and of course, after just gaining so much insight into that as I was meeting a lot of people, mm. um, somehow I wanted to go into film. Yeah, at an early age. At an early age, yeah. I always felt like that's what I wanted to do. Was that something that was that was inspired in Malaysia, or was this through the travels that you're speaking about? Um, well, actually, let's go back a little further. <laughs> um, so, to be honest, mm. when I was probably about six years old, I we all went to bookstores a lot, you know, mm. to look at books. Um, I asked my dad to buy me Vogue magazine mm. at that young age. Somehow it was something I was drawn to. Mm. Um, so to be absolutely clear, film was actually a second thought. Um, mm. Somewhere around the age of eight or nine, I wanted to be... In Vogue. At a mag yeah. Mm. I wanted to be working at a magazine. I wanted to write, I wanted to tell stories, I wanted to assign stories and work with incredible writers who have incredible point of view so mm -hmm. I can learn from them. I wanted to work with photographers who um, took these incredible pictures. Yeah. I wanted to delve into the life of these stylists who mm -hmm. style these incredible pictures even way back when. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Now, I remember when I was eight or nine, I was, my dreams was basketball players because that's what was on my television. But you're speaking about being six years old and immediately you're wanting to be in Vogue. You know, you wanted to pick up this Vogue. I'm looking at basketball all day, but what, what was it that you were looking at in Malaysia that immediately want, wanted you to tell your parents, hey, I want to buy me this Vogue magazine? Right. What did you, how did they get, Six years old, that's, yeah. I, I, I wish I was a little bit more self-aware, but um, I think the one thing that, that has always been a constant <laughs> is just I followed my instincts, right? Mm. Um, 
that was an instinctive response to the magazine I saw at the bookstore. Okay. And then when I went through it, through it. Okay. And, and read, I realized through the magazine was going to teach me a lot. Yeah. And then what's even better than reading a magazine and learning from it? Mm-hmm. Working at the magazine. Right. I somehow, you know, I, and again, this might be psychological at this point of view, and I might be saying this for the first time, but um, I knew somewhat as a magazine editor, that's what you did if you were curious. Yeah. If you were curious about life, you were curious about stories, you were curious about travel, you were curious about exploring bigger cultures than your own. Yeah. What parts of culture did you connect with the most when you were, you know, before you started your career? What part of culture? So for, for, for myself, I would probably say music, for me, had a, a real big impact on, you know, how I looked at music and sports had right. a real, real big impact rather than fashion. How, how young are you talking about? in terms of connecting. So that child who saw Vogue magazine, yeah. I, I don't think I was that aware of... of um, Fashion. Of what it was, you know, I, I don't think I had it compartmentalized into this was fashion and this was uh, Hollywood. And may, maybe it was there, yeah. but um, I don't think I was really that focused on one thing or the other. I think the big picture was, I was curious, right? I was curious about stories, I was curious about personalities, and I was curious about uh, doing shoots. Um, And obviously just something needs, somebody needs to do something to create this incredible monthly book that gave me so much culture and information and images. I think obviously it's at the end of the day it's the imagery that really captured um, what um, what I I would relate to as culture at those young at that young age mm-hmm. um, you know because the image changes there are so many ways of telling a story and the image just is so rich and vibrant it can take you to different worlds. Um, I'm not quite, is that answering your question somewhat? No, no, yeah, that that's. So you were probably so at this point you're mm. you're you're thinking about Vogue magazine. You're 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 looking at all these different images that is often inspiring you. And then you said in the beginning that film was this this secondary. Would you consider it was a secondary option that you went to school for film and journalism? Well, it's not so much of an option, um, but more like a, um, I I became interested in film um, eventually only because, you know, the the possibility of writing an incredible story, Mm -hmm. um, which was what I was interested in. I was interested in writing. I was interested in uh, writing a, a narrative about different worlds, different lives, my life, and, and everything I've done um, at that young age, mm-hmm. <laughs> obviously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so much happened. Um, but, but also, I, you know, my parents gave me the, um, the opportunity to travel 
um, when I was young. I, I went to boarding school when I was 11 years old. So okay. I left home at an early age. So being able to travel and also live lives outside from, you know, just the one at home where I go home and mom and dad are there, you know, with dinner and then we watch TV and go sleep. I, my life was never that, that way. That way. Um, there was always something going on. There was also a push for me to go sort things out, figure things out. I think, mm. um, you know, moving away from home and living in a boarding school, you kind of have to like, you learn about survival very quickly. Right. Um, you also learn to like go places and do things or else nothing happens. So would you probably say film, film kind of, kind of gave you that that extra push to you know after after you finished school so was it what did you get like what did you get out of you know going to school for film was it was it being able to tell your stories or was it the the writing portion of mm. like um, visual or more like printed um the the whole process I think once again, when it came to magazines, I wanted to be there behind the magazine, right? Running, mm -hmm. in, in some way, running the show, working at a magazine, because rather than just reading it, because I feel like there you connect with culture. With film, it's the same way. When you go into um, making a film, you are absolutely doing a deep dive into its own bubble, its own mm -hmm. culture, its own story You in production as well as the actual film. Mm -hmm. Something about, and, and again, this relates back to, um, my mom is a hairstylist. Okay. And she, apart from running her own um, salon, um, she has also worked on many shoots. When I was much younger, she had taken me along with her to some of the shoots. Yeah. Um, so there's now a certain. Yeah. So now we're understanding like where this. Im now I'm understanding where this image is coming from. I do wish I could say I pull it out of the <laughs> the sky, but everything that happens does relate to a certain part or a point. It's like the furniture that we walk through around the room. Uh -huh. There is a connection to a past or a desire or a certain point of cultural reference that I have experienced. Yeah. Um, we're delving deep dive into the psychology of it right yeah. now, but it's not that deep. Ultimately, yes, when I was young, I went to shoots with my mom. So the first time I ever went to a, and, and because of that, I also worked on commercials. I was a child actor. Um, in commercials. Hmm. Um, a lot of my family had worked in advertising, so... So this is, so this is, so even with, now you're, like, you're studying, like, film, and we're talking about, like, film and journalism, you've had the, you already had the, um, the experience of being an introvert and an extrovert. Uh, being in front of the yes. camera and then being behind it as well. Absolutely. You've hit it right on the nail. Um, and, and it also happened later when I was at uh, W Magazine. Yeah. Um, balancing the, in equal measure mm -hmm. the amount of fashion shoot and still life shoot, yeah. which actually brings me to that introvert, extrovert um, characteristic that 
I think it's, it's so me. Um, in fashion shoots, it's an extroverted environment. It's an ex extroverted um, organized activity. You know, the fashion shoot, the locations, the models, you know, getting the actual image, but also dealing with so many different sociological and psychological personalities and egos and all that goes into a fashion shoot. And then in still life, it's you and the object or the objects in front of you. Mm -hmm. You have utter control there, but you're also in this like little tiny micro bubble. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's also like... So with you being the, now like you were the, you became an editor at W Magazine. Mm -hmm. Now the editor, we, I often see a lot of times that, you know, people have, well, I'm the deputy editor, editor of this magazine or I'm, you know, editor is very, uh, um, a very rewarding title, but what are the rewards of like being an editor? So this, I've been thinking about this um, recently too. It's the same thing as creative director. Everyone mm. thinks that that's such a rewarding title that they can give themselves and they do. Um, similarly, an editor is such a glorified position and maybe movies have something to do with it too, with you know, Devil Wears Prada and, and the rise of fashion as a really valid industry. You do have to realize in 80, no, in 1991, when I went and became an, uh, no, 1990, I was an intern at Mirabella Magazine. Um, and Slightly before that, also in Malaysia, I was an intern at another fashion magazine. So I've done all these things concurrently mm -hmm. in the sake of experience, I guess. Um, and that all kind of added up to, I guess, the experience that experience goes that into being an editor. But it wasn't always a straight, um, direct line. I didn't think you know, back when I wanted to be an editor. And then I just kind of went on a what straight work, like, trajectory. Like what work did you do specifically at W Magazine? At W Magazine, I was uh, fashion director of the men's portfolio. That's mm -hmm. how I started. Um, and I'll give you a very brief uh, trajectory, if yeah. you will, from graduating um, at NYU in film and in journalism. Um, I wanted immediately after graduation to act. Um, and the acting is, is my, you know, I think acting satisfies ego. It also satisfies a psych psychological pursuit that I have. Mm -hmm. I always wanted to write and direct. Um, in that first year of acting, um, it's basically banging down doors, doing auditions, and after audition, after audition, and, you know, getting rejected. Um, and, and actors go through that quite a lot. Um, I also had the, the um, advantage of being a writer, so I actually did freelance writing for a couple of magazines, um, um, magazines in Italy, magazines in, in um, Asia, and that paid the bills. But it was kind of a very, very long stretch of like not, you know, not having a sustained, um, sustainable um, life, basically. So I had to get a job. Mm. Um, 
luckily when I was in um, when I was growing up I grew up between you know um, Singapore London and came to New York somewhere in London I had mentioned earlier I worked for at, at uh, Joseph Paula Maison on Sloan Street in retail because um, one summer as I was just hanging around my cousin's like you need to get to work we need to get you to work so I can get a discount at the store mm-hmm. so I was put to work at Joseph she got a discount um, but that was also the start of like you know getting deeper into fashion mm-hmm. because Joseph was such a visionary um, yes the retail is business but he was also such an esthete. Everything that he had, he brought in design into his stores. And I, I was learning so much along the way between Joseph at the store and living with my cousin who have an amazing taste level. Mm-hmm. Um, so all that in New York, not being able to work as an actor and writing sometimes does not pay to rent, um, I went back to work at Kenzo and Joseph here on Madison Avenue. Mm. Um, and eventually I went to work at Charivari as a PR director. Mm. And Charivari is a fantastic store. I don't know if you're familiar with um, Charivari. It, it, they came up at the same time as Barney's. There was a story in Vanity Fair that was the last story that Ingrid Sishi wrote mm. um, a few months ago. And in fact, they are doing a documentary on the store. It yeah. was a fantastic time. Um, a short story was also three months into my job as a PR director, um, Charivari was imploding um, in terms of their business. Yeah. They had expanded too quickly. Um, I needed a job. A good friend of mine at uh, Women's Wear Daily suggested that I take the job at DNR, the Daily News Record, mm. which was the menswear, um, women's wear daily. Mm. And so I became an editor at DNR. Mm. Um, I wrote, um, I worked with photographers about men's fashion. Nine months into that, um, the fashion director, Robert Bryan of W Magazine's Men's Portfolio, mm. went on to T, Times uh, New York Times, um, the fashion supplement, and um, and this was a you know that time in in magazine history, fashion history, where you know these jobs just they don't come as easy these days. But um, Patrick McCarthy, who basically was the editorial director, gave me that job mm-hmm. as men's fashion director. So with, with, this, with this position as an editor for, what was your, what was your job, like what did you specifically do True. within being the fashion director? Um, one, I had to cover every single brand that was out there, which there weren't as many as there are now, mm-hmm. um, create relationships with them. Um, we also reviewed the fashion shows. We covered all the fashions, but the most important thing was um, to do the fashion shoots. Basically, come up with the best photographers, um, come up with the story, mm-hmm. the concept, um, and go out and do the shoot and come back with the best images ever. Yeah. Um, 
and at W Magazine, you know, it was a period where W was just um, changing from its broadsheet format to being a full-fledged magazine. So it was a time where Dennis Friedman was a creative director who's now at Barney's, was, uh, who actually just left Barney's, um, was culminating relationships with the best photographers in yeah. the world. People were not quite sure. W at the beginning was not W today. Um, it was Dennis who brought Bruce Weber, who brought all you know the best photographers to work with. Um, luckily at that time too, um, for me as, as a young stylist slash fashion director, um, we were all growing together. We were all, you know, figuring out who was going to be the best so photographers. Relationships. So relationships, yes, relationships were, very, were being very forged. Yeah. yeah, very, very important. From an experience point of view, was my film experience had um, had given me an in into wanting to create images, mm. and that's where I come in in terms of concepting a story. I think I always wanted my fashion shoots usually have a rich narrative to it. Mm -hmm. um, so I like to use fashion as, you know, one of the tools in telling a great story. Mm. Um, yeah, and, and that was my job. So what, what moment did you realize that you had established your own voice mm. amongst, amongst it? And, 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 and this, is, this is probably a testament to a lot of people is that you can work for someone else's um, vision in the grand scheme of things because you're working with a company particularly but within yourself this is you talking to yourself what moment did you realize that you discover your own your own voice within all of these editorial shoots that you're um that you did at this point with w and then vogue as well mm. um i would say, and, and this is not from a, a, an egotistical point of view, I think the voice and the point of view has always been there. I was searching for the right medium. Mm. As a child, I thought, not as a child, but you know, when I was about to go to college, I was so certain film was going to be it. Actually, prior to that, I was so certain I was going to write a novel, right? Because mm -hmm. I was also interested in writing before that became, let's write a film. Um, you know, by the time I was 21, and, and there was a time where you've got to write your novel by the time you're 21, you have to mm -hmm. be this wonderkin that like did all this when you were young. Well, I didn't write my novel at 21. Mm -hmm. By that, at that point, I was gonna take everything slowly. I was gonna develop my, my medium I guess, mm -hmm. to find my, um, I always had the point of view. I always had the voice. I just needed to find the right. medium. Would you say, not even just the medium, would you say just the right opportunity or the right moment? Well, I, I, here's the thing about, um, it's, it's the best life that you can ever get is the one where you're able to do what you love, obviously. Um, and, and I'll knock on wood for this one because I've mm. always been able to do um, what I love. Um, the magazine world was not always perfect because it is a business. Um, I think I had focused a lot on creating images and stories instead of 
um, minding the business aspect of magazine editorial. It is my business job. Um, that came later. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, by the time I, and, and we're doing a big leap here, the short story is, you know, mm-hmm. after W had a change of guard, the entire old guard, Patrick McCarthy, who was our editorial director, left, um, and Stefano Tonki became new editor-in-chief. And Stefano, of course, has this entire new team in there, as with every new publication. So when I left there, um, you know, naturally I would have gone to another publication, but somewhat um, it's just having worked on a freelance level with companies like Brooks Brothers, with uh, doing creative direction and branding, I kind of wanted to delve into that. Mm. Um, because I think there was also a, a, a being more interested in the business mm. of fashion um, and also bringing the experience of a full creative background. So I went and started doing creative direction mm. um, out of somewhat necessity, yeah. but also kind of what I wanted to do. Um, it was also the start of what was, you know, the Obviously. stories you could tell online. Yeah. It's the start of new media. It's the start of publishing, having to actually... Um, it's more like the digital space that you're speaking about. Yes, exactly. But also, the, but also at the same time, um, but also at the same time, you're, you're probably, at this moment, You've you've probably realized this is probably a first part of like the success because the first overall success is first success is you being successful and being confident within yourself. Right. So this is this is probably that. So you work with so you went on to not only work with W Magazine but also you were contributing sitting sitting uh, editor at Vogue Mm -hmm. and working with all these different brands at this moment in time like except accepting the title of. I'm going to be this creative director now. Um, how did, now that you created this business for yourself, how, what was the first steps in how you would gain more clients after this? Mm. How did you go about um, the in, in terms of the business of fashion, mm-hmm. when I was a freelance stylist and agent, um, basically, you know, Anis uh, at De Facto Inc., was my agent. Um, relationships I've already had with a lot of um, fashion brands mm-hmm. from being an editor um, knew that I was around. So through connections, through people I've already known, I've been referred to different brands. So when I became a creative director, um, oh gosh, it's pounding the pavement, basically. Yeah. You know, calling, talking, meeting people, really trying to um, convince them that I can really create tell, tell the you. image for them. And tell yes. the story, and tell yep. your story. That's the, so out of, out of these three things that I'm going to name, relationship, uh, knowledge, location, which one of these are the more essential to, um, to a creative director? Um, you have to know what to do. That voice that you were talking about and that point of view, um, that is a constant. That's what I've always had. Remember, I'm searching for the medium, searching for the right client, um, 
second to having that point of view is relationships because that allows me to be able to talk to them for, from a more direct point of view. Mm. Um, when I say relationship, it doesn't mean, I mean, it actually does mean having to know more people and having to know the brands and the people involved in them. You know, because every, when I say brand, I'm talking a lot about a uh, fashion label. Um, they're very important to the owners and the designers who started it, you mm. know? They all have a certain point of view. When you walk in as a creative director and tell them that you are the one to tell the brand story, how do you connect with them? You, mm. you do have to have a certain instinct, have a certain um, affinity to it. I personally, and that I get, I guess comes back to, you know, in a weird way, having the choice of picking the people I want to work with yeah. and want to work for. Some of it didn't happen that way. I didn't pick it. Yeah. It picked me. Like George Jensen picked pick you to I, become the creative director, which is a a Danish uh, a luxury you know a Danish luxury brand that specializes in you know all these great art and design collaborations, right? So when you were at George Jensen. Um, what was, because I read in an article where you had this big picture. What was the big picture that you had for that particular brand that had all this over 100 years of, of, um, of history of being a brand? Um, the big picture is to tell the story. Mm -hmm. The big picture is to harness new media, digital, Film, it goes right back to the past, mm -hmm. to tell the George Jensen story um, to an entire new, well, it's not new, to an entire um, existing and brand new um, consumer group. Um, when I got the call from the CEO, from David Chu, um, offering me the job, it was the most natural thing for people who knew me, um, people who knew I had such a deep love for design um, and also understanding of what it was. I knew what Josh Hansen was. I, had, I was also very aware of the different product categories. Um, so when I went into the, the meeting um, with the Jensen team, you know, the big question was, we are a jewelry house. We are a uh, home and interior house. We are a house that produces all this incredible silver from the past. Um, they also have watches. They have um, men's accessories. Um, they were having a little bit of a, a focus issue. And they're like, how do we tell this brand story? And funnily enough, to me, it, it was the most natural answer. You are a design house, yeah. is what I told them. To me, there was no doubt about the fact that despite the thing that cuts across all the categories are it's a design house. It's always worked in collaborative design since the day was started. Um, George Jensen himself had a lot of designer friends design yeah. objects for him. Yeah. So I think that kind of sealed the job, if you will, for me because yeah. of that clear understanding and what story I wanted to tell was George Shenson is the house of design. Yeah. yeah. What, um, 
how how is the success of a creative director measured or, or should i say impact how is it measured you know for some people there's a certain measure um or what is your success how how good are you doing your 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 position was what is the uh, measure for a creative director um the story that you're telling the message that you are creating mm-hmm. reaches the audience so more so the story on the creative as so you would probably say on the creative director end is that whatever you're creating on the creative side that it also connects with the business side would you say that um, when it connects with the audience which for a brand mm-hmm. is pretty much a consumer um, that would be a success on the business side because you are convincing people of the image or the brand or the history of the story uh, of the of the brand. Um, ultimately, that translates to um, brand um, loyalty. Mm-hmm. You know, brand loyalty could translate could be um, their interest in the story, their interest in a brand. Mm-hmm. Of course, um, the PNL reflects that somehow mm-hmm. you want people to buy the products um, which is why I think a company that deals with design across the board that really takes care of the product that they produce um, and this goes back to design I'm very very um, I'm very conscious that design needs to be completely linked with marketing you know sometimes in some companies those two things are treated so separately which the success that uh, George Jensen was having a creative director oversee the I guess the different um, components that make up the big picture Mm -hmm. the different um, departments need to speak the same story Um, so whether it's the business whether it's the marketing, whether it's design, we need to tell one consistent story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How does, um, what's the education look like for a creative director? You know, for for, for, for a film, it's watching a lot of movies, or mm-hmm. for someone that is a musician, it's playing their instrument or learning about new notes. But right. what's the education for a creative director? Um, Learn everything. Be curious. I, so more I keep thinking that sounds like like if I've heard it before. Um, it, it really is is these days, right? Um, fashion has become to me uh, a second nature. Mm. Um, we know how to get our fashion information. We know how to get our. But I think everything that affects. Um, creative direction work Mm -hmm. really rely on the timeliness of what you do. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a brand can be a heritage brand, but a brand also needs to be vital. It also needs to be relevant and current. So when I say you need to be curious and learn everything, I do mean like you need to be caught up on current affairs. You need to be caught up on technology. You need to be caught up on um, scientific achievements mm-hmm. because ultimately it's what people are affected by. Um, 
to be able to convey a message, you need to know what people are interested in. Hmm. Hmm. Yep. So do you think now in the generation, the generation that we're in this, or this period, Right. I say generation, because it kind of seems like it kind of cuts off a mm-hmm. lot of people. So would you say now is the time where more creative directors are being born, or more people are taking a much more of a, uh, I'm a creative director, he's a creative director. Do you think now that we're living in a time where there's more creative directors than you ever saw? Um, in, in, the, in our industry, mm-hmm. yes. I do feel yeah. like a lot of people um, have been deeming themselves creative directors. And like I said from the beginning, you know, depending on which, um, which particular field you are in, um, a creative director requires a certain skill set. A certain skill set comes from experience. And when, it, when a creative director is in front of a board, before they're hired, you know, this level of skill set and experience is absolutely, um, it becomes absolutely clear Mm -hmm. what is required of you. Um, So it's, at that point in time, it's what differentiates a creative director from someone who just decided to name themselves a creative director. Yeah. Yeah. So, if what would be your advice to someone that is looking to actually become a creative director? Um, you know, what I said earlier was the general um, kind of overarching idea of being curious and learning about things um, so that they affect your ultimate um, work, right? whether it's art, science, what's aesthetic, what's style, what's design. Um, I I think it's just constantly learning about things and that will ultimately inform what you do Mm -hmm. um, on a creative level. Mm. Well, I think there's there's been a lot that we've covered in regards with with you, Marcus, and I do appreciate um, all the different um, aspects that you provided, uh, well, knowledge more more so, that you provided me with. Um, And so there you have it, Marcus Teo, Creative Director of Teo Creative Incorporated and uh, a slew of other titles that that you've had as well. So I do appreciate you uh, taking out your time and being on the False Image Fashion Podcast. Absolutely, Glenn. Just back to... um one final thought about, mm-hmm. like you said, a slew of other titles that, that I've had. Um, mm. I still want to say that um, if I had really, in hindsight, gone after the titles in a very consecutive sort of a way, like I was trying to build up my portfolio, I don't know if I was that person. Um, I took the next step instinctively and somehow that was a growing process and you know when i went from um a boarding school boy to a student at university Mm -hmm. the courses that i had picked the courses i had chosen if i knew they were going to be useful 
um, in a job that I didn't think related to it, I probably wouldn't have done it, right? Yeah. But the fact is, all these skills count as experience, and I use the word experience not loosely because they completely affect what you do. Um, and case in point is right now, every brand wants film and video on their yeah. sites. Yeah, that's true. And that goes right back to the day I wanted to be a filmmaker. Yeah. As they say, uh, my grandmother used to say, there's nothing new down up under the sun. Mm-hmm. There's nothing new. She is absolutely right. And hindsight informs foresight. There it is. Drop the key. That's it. That's it. <laughs> We're done. Thank you.